Welcome to Learning Through Math, the podcast. I'm Laura at I Teach the Why. I'm Karina at Mrs. Cousins 5. Our mission is to inspire ourselves and others to keep learning and improving with passion. And hugs. You can find us at learningthroughmath.com and on Twitter at Laura and Karina. Come and join us on this journey of learning. Thanks for joining us. We are recording this in October of 2021. And welcome to episode 55, Learning About Math Running Records. First, we want to give a shout out to all you listeners who joined in on the conversation on Twitter about hashtag team inclusive and hashtag team exclusive. We had a lot of people join the conversation. We did. We did. There's, it, it's, uh, it's a hot topic. And not only that, uh, let's move into our reflection because something else popped up. I'm still curious, and I said this in the episode, last episode, that I am still curious about the kite and what people think about the two definitions of the kite and whether we need to have a whole conversation about the, you know, team inclusive, team exclusive based on the kite. I know. Well, I think I think somebody might end up starting that conversation because people are actually talking about rhombuses slash rhombi as well. Okay, we have some wonderful good news. I'm so excited. No, I think all of us are excited. We have <laughs> our very first guest. Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! So listeners, we, we just want to let you know, you know, we try to keep it around 20 minutes this episode, but honestly, we have no idea how long this episode's <laughs> going to go. So you might have to listen to it over the course of a few days. I can pretty much guarantee, though, that it will not be 20 minutes. It will be a much longer conversation. So just just be prepared. That's right. Our first guest is... I feel like we need a drum roll here, right? I don't have a drum roll, but... Me neither. Here we go. Okay. There. Is that good? That was great. It's Annalise Record. Woo! Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here. No, we are more thrilled that you are here. Yes. If a listener has no idea who you are, Annalise, could you let everybody know some things about you? I'm just so thrilled to be here. I just first wanted to thank you both for having me on. I have been an avid listener since the very first uh, episode that you dropped. And the fact that I get to be here and be your first guest is really super cool. And the fact that I can even, you know, in the program we're using to do this, I can see your faces as you're talking. And I've never ha- been able to do that before. I've always been hearing your voices in my head. <laughs> so it's and so here we are. <laughs> yes. Bun in the hair, glasses on. It's all good. I love it. I get a peek That's behind right. the scenes, behind the magic. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I love it. I it's love so it. glamorous, isn't it? It so absolutely is. <laughs> Okay, so I am Annalise Record, and I was a former grade five teacher for 13 years and then a math coach for four years, K-5, and that really marked the really immersion into the mathematics for me of being a math coach. I could focus just on that. I had been doing all subjects in my grade five classroom, and so that was really the, I had I had met Dr. Nikki Newton. I saw her at a BER conference, uh, and she introduced me to the idea of open number lines and flexibility of thinking that I had never developed on my own and never heard of before. So I ended up staying with her for all the sessions on a two-day conference rather than going to see any of the other presenters. Um, and I also had decided to take a class with Christina Tondevold, her very first um, version of her 
Number Sense 101 class that introduced me to the whole world of early numeracy. And uh, I, was, I saw Dr. Nikki a few weeks ago in person, which was a treat. We had not seen each other in a couple of years. And she said, you know, you remember if you think about going to a grocery store when you were a kid, there were these rides outside. You could put a coin in it and it would, you would ride it. And like, that was like the best thing ever. That's a favorite ride, right? But then you grow up and you go and you learn that there's a Walt Disney World. Woohoo! <laughs> Our second <laughs> home. It's a passion of mine. It, it, <laughs> and that's how I feel about early numeracy, where I, as a grade five teacher for the 13 years, I had no idea the, the amount of, of expertise needed and, and just specific learning trajectories of students, of young children learning about number. And so I'm just on this journey. I will continue to be on the journey forever, the, the, every day. The, the, the more I learn, the more I realize I have to learn. Absolutely. But I honestly, I say this all the time in my consulting world. I live by Dr. Maya Angelou's quote that we do the best we can until we know better. When we know better, we do better. I mean, I, I live by that every day because you, you, you cannot know it all. You cannot. Yeah, it's just constant. <laughs> so... I'm a, I'm a consultant now. So I now, my husband got a new job two hours away from where we had raised our kids. And so then I was like, what do I do? I'm not, I'm expensive for as a teacher. I, I, there were no math coaching positions here. And that's where I had, or I had become really close friends over the four years of being a math coach with Dr. Nikki and Christina Tondevold. And they both said, well, why don't you go off on your own? And so I did. And this is my fourth year being a consultant. It's a, just a whole new world for me, which is super exciting. Congratulations. That's it. Yeah. That takes a lot of courage. That does. Looking back on it, I didn't feel it at the time. But looking back on it, I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I do? <laughs> wow. That's really amazing. Okay, let's get into today's topic, which is about math running records. And before you start telling us all about math running records, I want to tell you that when I was teaching second grade, so I'm talking from 2000 to 2009-ish, somewhere around there, I w- we had to give reading running records. And I kept saying, why don't we have anything like this for math? So when you tell us about the math running records, I would love to know about the history Mm -hmm. as much as you know of it. We all know how invaluable a reading running record is. So where were the math ones? When I first became math coach, I had been learning a lot about early numeracy and I had not known much about all the intricacies and the trajectories of learning. And I wanted to be able to share it with my colleagues and I wanted to be able to get authentic data on what the students knew and what their thinking was. But I had not been aware of, I mean, we had um, standardized testing in our, our we had a, a program that the kids would take the NWEA and there would be benchmarking beginning, middle and end of the year. And when I became the math coach and I, I really wanted, and I was learning about all this amazing stuff, that was when Dr. Nikki offered her webinar on math running records. So as a history, Dr. Nikki Newton spent 10 years pouring over the research And she always wants to make sure everyone knows that talking to kids about their thinking is not a new idea. It's been happening for decades, but the way that it had been done typically had taken a lot of time, which just isn't reasonable in a classroom when you want to to find out information on all the kids. So what she did was she codified the research. She, She took all the research. She did action research for years with friends of hers and their school districts and the kids in those school districts across the country. And developed these protocols, so this this recording sheet, 
That's there's one for each of the operations that you can within about 10, 15 minutes, find out exactly which set of facts and within those set of facts, where are they on the trajectory of learning from counting all to counting on to head counting on to using derived strategies and then to mastery where they've memorized it only and memorization, but they have the conceptual understanding as well. So we're trying to find out in, in the interview, you know, what set of facts are causing an issue? Is it, uh, are, are we seeing prolonged thinking? Uh, are we seeing inaccuracies? Or are we seeing phases of reasoning that are before the current content? So if we're doing adding and subtracting, are they counting? Which is a previous phase of reasoning. The graphic by Pam Harris of that the K-12 journey, so impactful to help me solidify this in my own brain of like, oh, when the kids are counting, and if they're counting on and counting on from the larger number, that's awesome. Um, but it's still counting. It's not moving them into additive reasoning. So we want to help move them into additive reasoning to prepare them for the multiplicative reasoning. So when students are doing multiplication, the skip counting, yes, is a part of that journey to get there, but is that we don't want to leave kids there. And what happens too often is students are asked to do the algorithms really too soon in their mathematical journeys. And those algorithms are efficient because they strip it of place value. So it's just basic facts. And the basic facts, they're usually in a previous phase of reasoning than the content they're doing. So they're doing the double digit, triple digit, adding and subtracting. Those basic facts they're counting on or counting back for subtraction. Uh, and if they're in multiplication and doing multi-digit work there, they're skip counting to, and then being inaccurate and inefficient. So it's very slow and, and whatnot. So so Dr. Nikki is the one who wrote the book, Math Running Records. Uh, and it, they, they literally have changed my life because I feel like when I'm training districts and teachers to administer them, I'm really teaching about early numeracy because it's all the research behind how kids grow and develop. And and that and the definition that fluency is not just speed and accuracy. It is, I call it relative speed because that's the least thing that's important to me because I think it will fix itself. When students are using chunks of numbers and not working one by one, they'll be faster, they'll be more effective, more efficient. And we can apply that same thinking to larger numbers decimals and fractions. It like unlocks the entire math journey. So it's, and it's not only that also, but you also find out from the students, their disposition. So how do they feel about themselves as mathematicians? What did, what looked tricky to them that day in the interview? What looked um, easy? So that, because very often the kids will tell you, oh, that looks tricky to me. And typically what they've done is they see it's tricky. So they kind of give up or they don't even try it. Oh, I didn't learn that one yet. I can't do that. Whereas we want students to understand that, yes, you can you can use what you know to figure out what you don't know. You just have to be not afraid of it. You can just try it and see what happens with all the growth mindset messages. So I have found that the math running records have just encapsulated everything I believe about elementary math and this setting a foundation of thinking for, uh, for the entire math journey. So it's just been um, amazing. And Dr. Nikki Newton is just phenomenal. She always says that we all stand on the shoulders of giants and I am right there on her shoulders, standing on the top of, of her. I mean, she's just, uh, just phenomenal, just brilliant. And the most research informed person that I know, she's just unbelievable what she knows and what she can she, And she's a lifelong learner. She continues to be reading research and, and, and sharing. And she's also incredibly generous. So been a privilege of mine to befriend her and, and get, and, and be able to share this knowledge with math running records. I mean, they're free. There's no cost to them, right? It's all about the kids and, and whatnot. And so they're available on her site, mathrunningrecords.com. You can download them. They're one per operation. 
Um, but there is, you know, a lot of expertise in the in the knowing the research behind it. So um, I really would encourage people to to buy her book and read the research of, of and the intention of it, because the intention is not to get a grade. The intention is to figure out our instructional response. Where are they on their journey and what can they do? That asset mindedness of what can they do? Because I've I've had teachers tell me like, like that, that student can't subtract. It's like, well, what can't they subtract? Can they subtract zero? Can they subtract one? Can they subtract a number from itself? Like there's there's a progression within each of the operations to understand the the operations, to develop the fact fluency, but also the understanding of the operation itself so that they're set up for success with everything else. Okay, I want to tell the listeners two things. One, everything that you're saying, I'm writing down so they will be linked into the show notes. But also, I wish all the listeners could see Karina and I, our heads nodding to everything you're saying. Oh my gosh. Karina, I know that you said you were going to give a math running record this week. Were you able to do that? Yes, I I did. I was very excited. Now, you know, Laura, I'm a jumper. So I went in, I just printed them off and I kind of like glanced over the directions. I'm like, ah, I'm just going to go ahead and do this. Oh boy, this might be an interesting discussion. <laughs> this is what Karina does, but it's all good. It always works out. This is this is what I do, Annalise. This is how I also tackled number talks for the first time. I'm just like, let me just give this a go. 45 minutes later, I'm still in my first number talk and freaking out. But that's that's besides the point. Uh, this did not take me 45 minutes, though, because I remember hearing you say that you, you don't have to do every single question. Once right. you see that there's there's a that they have you know a struggle or that they're not quite getting that question, uh, to just stop. So mm-hmm. I did just, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't pursue, but I did find some very interesting things. I decided to start with multiplication because, you know, we, I, I do teach fifth grade. I wanted to see this particular student, what she could do with multiplication. She is having trouble with knowing her facts, but I had noticed that she, when she was multiplying, she was drawing circles and dots Oof. Mm-hmm. and yeah. Yeah. And in fifth grade, I, I don't I don't want them to be still drawing circles, you know, groups with dots in them. And it, we know it's not the most efficient and we need to move them into the multiplicative thinking. Yes. Yeah. If I could just get her to, you know, draw those groups with a number in them as right. opposed to the dots, like that would be the my next step with her. But I wanted to see what she could do. Mm-hmm. It starts with zero times four, one times two, 10 times seven, five times three, two times six. The zero times four was fine. One times two, fine. 10 times seven, fine. Five times three. I think that's where I started seeing her count. She counted by fives. She skip counted on her fingers. Mm-hmm. On the next one, two times six, she was counting up by twos, but she counted up like singularly, no, not skip counting by twos. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, the yes. one and the one. She wasn't counting by twos. She was still counting uh. 
by ones, but by twos on her fingers. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. Yes. And, and then that's how she continued. So she was, she couldn't count by that number. She was mm-hmm. still holding four fingers up if she was multiplying by four and counting each one as a single unit and uh, then, and then getting to her answer. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't, she doesn't unitize. Okay. Right. She saw connections. Like when I asked two times six, she knew two times five was 10. So she did go up from there, but she still counted like 11, 12. Okay. Ah, okay. So there's connections. She does see that if you have six groups of two, that still has five groups of two in it and then just two more. Wow. So there was parts of that, but, but it's that singular count still that, that I was concerned with, right. you know, as mm-hmm. a fifth grader. So I guess what's next? Oh my gosh, I literally had what's next written down. Like, what do we do after the running records? You're missing, you're missing part two. No, part two. I wrote down my notes. Oh, oh, you did. Okay. I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. You, you, you had mentioned it in terms of just part one, that the the zero times four was good. The one times what was good. And then you asked the five times three and the two times. Correct. You didn't discuss anything from part two. Right. I didn't say that I went to part two. Right. I, I just want to make sure the listeners know yes. that the, the three parts to a running record, part one is to get a sense of their relative speed and accuracy. So they're just kind of giving answers. We're observing everything they're doing, but just giving answers. Part two is the deep dive. That's the heart of the interview. That's the big discussion and asking them, what did your brain just do to solve it? What number did you st- did you start on? Can you tell me those numbers out loud? So we really can find out exactly what they are thinking. And then once we get to the first zone of facts where we're seeing the issues, then we can go right to part three and ask about their disposition. But that part two is the heart of the running record. So it should be about a minute for part one. Yes. Seven, eight minutes for part two and about a minute for part three. And all three parts are important. Yeah, I went through part one pretty quickly because it's just about what she knows real quick. And then, and then, yeah, we went into deeper dive. When you answered these questions, what were you thinking? How did you see it? Great. Tell me more about Super. that. I saw you counting, but I don't know how you counted. Can you say it out loud? So I did ask those questions. Perfect. Yay. Perfect. Awesome. Yay. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I did do that. And I, and I did, and it was funny because she said, she said some really interesting things and that's, that's what I love about this is that so much came out of it. Yes. And like you said, even for just 15 minutes or 20 minutes, because it was my first one, it, it, I got so much out of it. I I see her now Mm -hmm. as a a little bit differently. I see, I didn't know that she could use some of that grouping. You know, I didn't know that she saw Mm -hmm. that. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm happy with that because that gives me a, a, like a springboard as to where to jump off from, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. But th- that that part that she's still counting per unit, right? At, just by ones, mm-hmm. that's the part that I, I'm, you know, I need to work on her with. But things like, you know, the questions in part three, do you like math? And she said, sometimes the easy stuff that I know I like, the hard things that I don't know, I don't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you find mm-hmm. easy? She said at the beginning of the school year and, and division like 15 divided by three. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Basic fact. Right. And then I said, what do you find tricky? She said, hard multiplication. Sometimes I don't understand. And then what do you do mm. when you get stuck? I don't know. I just repeat. Mm. Interesting. Oh, I love that last answer. Right. I don't know. I just repeat. 
That's like, isn't it Einstein that was like, that's the definition of insanity when you just do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results? Exactly. Exactly. Wow. As you were talking about the, her not unitizing, but some of it was unitizing. The first thing that came to my mind for the what next would be doing coral counting and count around the circle. She might need, maybe, this is what I'm thinking right now, and I'm just brainstorming here. But if you take snap cubes and link them together as twos, and that way she has like that concrete thing to skip count by twos with first, so that she can't really take them apart, but she can see that there's two things put together. Right. What do you think about that? Yeah. And we want to keep in mind also the, the, there's a um, strategy levels one to four, zero to four that Dr. Nikki codified for us. So and we, we want to help our students to, to find out where they are within the math facts that first began having an issue. And then within that zone of facts, where are they on that strategy from zero to four? Um, because it resets every new set of more difficult facts. So I'll find some students are automatic within certain zones. You go to the next box and ask a harder question. They go back to the skip counting or even counting all. So it resets itself. So when you mentioned that she was, what she was doing there, the, the order that Dr. Nikki suggests is that we do um, the zero and the one come first, but they're really just the properties um, of them. And then 10 coming next, because a lot of our students know from the patterning of multiplying by a 10, what happens so they can get that relatively quickly. And then five comes next. We can relate it to the 10. That five can be thought of as being half of 10. And then uh, the twos, the doubles. Now, it does not mean the kids don't know their doubles by then. What it does mean is the very next set of facts is time fours because we can relate it to the doubles. So you're working on your doubles. Make sure you've got all the pairs. I I find that um, nine times two is one that a lot of kids don't know. They know the rest, but that one they don't. Um, But then... Once we've worked on that and solidify it, then we go right on to our fours to explore that times four can be double the double. And then comes eights, because eights we can relate to doubling as well. Then comes three and six, because not that they wouldn't know the three facts by then, but we can connect it. Let's work on our threes, and now let's work on our sixes. It's all about those relationships. Then uh, next comes nine. And again, we could use the six and the three and put those two partial products together, or really powerfully, one group less than 10 groups. And then the final one is times seven, but but at that point, the only fact left is seven times seven, but it's really worthwhile to explore seven as being a five groups and two groups put together because the students will tend to, um, they, they can relatively efficiently find out the five fact and the doubles. And we're distributed property multiplication, we're breaking apart that seven into the five groups and two groups. So um, so that progression of the strategies, you know, the, I've, I've follow a lot of people and, and learn from so many people in the fluency world, but you know, Jennifer Bay Williams and and all the, her writing she's done with John San Giovanni and Sue O'Connell and San, John San Giovanni did another one. Like it's just been amazing wealth of, of fluency resources, but, and they don't all suggest the exact same progression, but what they do all have in common is the foundational facts come first. So the zero, one, 10, five, two, because I can derive any other fact if I know those facts. And the majority of our students can master those facts. And then I can work from there using number relationships to find out the others. So when I hear people complaining about, well, I can't possibly do this upper elementary concept because kids don't know their math facts. Yeah, you can if you're not doing the algorithm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because if you're doing an algorithm, 
you're right. It becomes very inefficient when the math facts are getting in the way. But what if I break apart if I'm multiplying by a 16? Let me do a group of 10, a group of five and a group of one. Right. That's attainable for our students. And they can be we can be encouraging so many more students on the math journey when we do that. So that's what's so important with math running records to get that insight. And you're right. What is the next step? So that's why I mentioned the leveling. The zero means a student has no way of attacking it at all. They just can't even give you an answer. A one means in the multiplication world, the one would mean that they're counting all. Now, I've, I saw a student two weeks ago figure out seven times five by going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven on his fingers, and then eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. And he went all the way up to 34 and arrived at the answer of seven times five being 34. Oh. Yeah. So he was counting all. So kids can count all, even if it's multiplication. Mm-hmm. Now, then comes the skip counting, but you're right. You have to know the skip counting mm-hmm. sequence. And personally, Skip counting by sevens or eights or that's hard. Oh yeah. No. There's not really a yes. pattern you can follow, right? So I absolutely love the coral counting type routines and seeing what patterns we can notice with them as well. But um, but I really think the heart of it is the derived strategies is to find the groupings of them within it that we know that we can use and then use groups from there. Um, so I, I love using a hundred beaded rec and rec that is 10 rows mm-hmm. of 10. And I make it be the array and I just say, how do you see how many are there? And then the students will tell me. I know there's whatever, let's say it was four by six. So I know how many it is because I counted up all the beads. Well, how did you do that? And they'll tell me how they counted one by one. Then other students tell me, well, I skip counted or I skip counted by sixes or I skip counted by fours. So I know they're in that additive reasoning phase, right? But then some students say, well, I know those top two rows are 12. A two by six array is 12. And what I can see is there's still two more rows to go, which is doubling what I just figured out. Others, because of the color coding, will see a four by five array within it and say, well, I know four times five is 20. It's one more four to go from there. Then students might say, well, I can break apart the six into three groups and three groups. And three by four, that's 12. So it, it helps them develop understanding of the area model of multiplication, which is a powerful model. Um, yeah. But it also is moving them into that multiplicative reasoning and beyond the skip counting. So, but we can't take a student from counting all to mastery in one step, right? So that's why we're gonna find out like on that progression, would you say her zeros were fine? Yes. Were her ones fine? Yes. Were her tens fine? Yes. How about her fives? She had like for that five times three, it was like one to two seconds. Okay, well, I, within five seconds, I'm I'm fine. <laughs> I just don't want prolonged thinking. But I also don't want to keep them in that additive reasoning of skip counting by fives. So many kids do that. Right. So instead, we can use facts we know and maybe skip count from there as a next mini step. Right. She definitely counted by fives. She was 5, 10, 15. So she got there, but she was counting by fives, yeah. Right. So if you were to ask her in that that, that part two, we asked them more questions in that zone, right? Yep. So if you were to ask her seven times five. She counted. She skipped, like skip counted. Many times the students will they'll start with five. So for them, I might work on the fact that, oh, do you know that five fives is 25? And I might use my fingers because there are ways we can use our fingers that are not counting, right? So I can show this is going to be seven groups of five. If I know five fives is 25, I get two fives left, which is 10, and 25 and 10 is 35. So it was moving them, nudging them toward those partial products using ones we know to determine the ones we don't yet know. On the progression, then, the, that's the three. The, the, the level of three means using those derived facts. 4M 
is when the students memorize the math facts. And then um, what, what happens is when the students tell us that they know something automatically, so we say, well, what did your brain just do? And they say, well, nothing. I, I know it, which is great. It means that they, but I find a lot of students are inaccurate. And I'll say, how do you know that's true? I learned it on, and I will not name the program that I hear over and over again that they're on, but they've learned it incorrectly with the kill and drill on multiplication sites, right? So that's that's another problem. <laughs> and that's another instructional response with that. But when I ask them, okay, but what about a friend who doesn't know it? How would you help them figure it out? They'll say, well, I tell them, get flashcards, and then you can just like practice. So those are the students that get 4M. Like they, they have memorized the answers and they've got them accurately, which is good. But we also want them to have a foundation of understanding because once they see one that they don't know, what's their disposition? So when I finish a math running record in multiplication, if a student has aced it, so clearly they know all their facts, I ask one more question and it's four times 17. And the students who have memorized only tell me, I have not learned that one yet. The students who have some kind of number sense will say, well, I don't know it, but I can figure it out for you. I can double the 17 and then double it again. I could do four times 10 and add to it four times seven, right? That's what you want. That disposition that whatever the, ex the expression even is in multi-digit computational work, I may not know it, but I can figure it out. I, I love Pam Harris's uh, site and, and all of her work of, you know, math is figure outable. Yes. I just, that's the disposition we want for the kids, right? That was my shirt today, yes. which by the way, I found out on Twitter that there is hashtag math shirt Thursday. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yes. So I reposted it under Teresa Wills's picture. Nice. And I was like, okay, here we go. New thing. I love it. Yes. If I go into classrooms, I wear t-shirt, math t-shirts. I love Berkeley the Everett's one that says you are a math person. And then there's an array on the back of it. I have that. Um, I have ordered my uh, trapezoid one, but I have to tell you, that they need to make a third version for Team Indecisive. <laughs> I have gone back and forth and back and forth. And now I decided, I, I went to order it and I couldn't click order because I realized I was ordering Team Inclusive, thinking like I'm an inclusive person, right? And I love how they add inclusive with people. I just think that's phenomenal. But um, I went to go click to buy it and I went, but wait, do I really believe that with trapezoids? Like, I think I'm Team Exclusive. So for several days, I was team exclusive. And then your podcast showed me that video of how he's moving those. I'm like, right? I'm team inclusive. And I, I bought a bag. I bought a t-shirt. But now I said, then Teresa Wills entered the conversation with her, her quadrilateral becoming a triangle. <laughs> I'm like, oh, now I'm back to not knowing. <laughs> Uh-oh. I did not see that one. I'm going to have to go yes. find that. She said, but what about this? And she she dragged one of the corners of the quadrilateral to the side and it became a triangle. Oh yeah. That just, we're down a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yet another one. That's, that's what we do around here. So after the running record, then you find that first set of facts that are, you know, causing some kind of issue that they're slowing them down or they're wrong. Some of them are wrong or they're doing the inefficient strategy of that previous phase of reasoning of like skip counting. Um, and then we try to move them to the next level. So if they're at counting everything, we want to move them to the skip counting. And if they're skip counting, we want to move into the derived strategies. If the derived strategies, we want to help them work on their automaticity to develop not only the flexibility and the efficiency, but practice it so that we're building those neural pathways in their brain so that they will eventually learn it and then recall it from memory because it's embedded after all the practice. Right. 
But yeah, I love Laura's ideas of, of, you know, putting the cubes and then working on the choral count to get those, those words into her mind. Right. Right. Then we can attach meaning to it by having the concrete and pictorial representation of the, what's happening with the skip counting. Yeah. Yeah. I found it was also interesting that she knew, she even said, I can do these ones. I can do zero, one, 10, five. She was able to articulate the ones she was able to do, even twos. Mm -hmm. And she said nines she she felt comfortable with. But she's like, I have trouble with four, six, seven, 12, and eight. So let me share that with you for a second. So in part three, it says, the question on the recording sheet right now says, uh, what is easy about math and what is tricky? Yeah. But the intention of those questions actually are about the questions in part one. Right. So which of these in part one look tricky to you? Right. And which one of these look easy to you? Because we want to get at that disposition, her being able to have that self-understanding of, oh, these I can do, but these I have a hard time with. If we spend time working on that times four can be a double-double, it will no longer look tricky. Yes. Yes. Right? So that the disposition piece is if they're if they're saying it looks tricky to them, they don't have an attack strategy for it. Mm-hmm. But if I know that I can always with this time seven, I could break it apart into five groups and two groups of the other factor. Or if an eight, I could think of as double the four facts. Then when I see seven times eight, I'm not going to tell you it looks tricky, right? Because I have a way to figure it out that I know I can do. So that, that's why that's in that part three box of that disposition box is which ones look tricky. Right. So we can have them communicate, well, why does it look tricky? What is it about it that makes it look tricky? So that we can get in there and give them strategies that they, that they the, 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 um, the things that they know to help them capitalize on the things they know and connect that to the new learning. And then over time, it won't look tricky anymore. Yeah. And that's funny. That's, that's exactly what I tell them when we do area model. And partial quotients. Use what you know. This is the beauty of, exactly. of these models, of these things that you've learned, is that it doesn't have, like you said, it's not about a standard algorithm and having these facts memorized. It's about what do you know, use that. Yes, absolutely. In our math block at my school, I have built in seven minutes, quote unquote, for number sense routines, mm-hmm. what would be your, let's say, top three number sense routines that when I'm working with fifth graders and they don't know six plus eight equals 14 without going eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, what would be your top three number sense routines that I can share with the fifth grade teachers at my school? So I always go to number talks and number strings with different purposes, right? So the number talks is for us to be able to share various ways of solving it and to, to, to accept every way is totally acceptable and respected, right? Mm-hmm. But within that discussion, you do talk about efficiency or, or you do, it come, some students are more efficient than others. They find a faster way to get there, right? And so hopefully the students who are, in the pre, you know, the, the counting phase, they're going to hear these other ways as well. And you can make it as visual as you can. So the, the visuals, it's not just writing an expression on the board. It's putting it a visual, like on a 10 frame or a rec and rec or 
to have that discussion. So we're visualizing the quantities mm-hmm. and working on those number relationships. Secondly, I love number strings where you have one strategy in mind and you're having several expressions that that one strategy is efficient for, but you're pushing it a bit like toward the, the bottom of the string, you're extending it a little bit, like nudging them along. So that's a lot of Pam Harris's work on that. And it's just, it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. I love uh, the number strings as well. And then I think that Berkeley Everett's math flips are just pure gold yeah. because it's yeah. the conversation of how does knowing this help you solve this? So when I see an array, let's say that's four by eight, I may have counted those to get to 32. I may have skip counted by those. But once I've arrived at my 32, how does that help me solve eight times eight, right? Like you're relating right. it always and and you're supporting it with visuals. You're seeing those quantities. It's not just an abstract rhyme that helps you remember that eight times eight is 64. Like it's that's not linked to any other knowledge in the brain. Right. Um, <laughs> so when you're connecting it to... Uh, that, and that's what that's the that's the beauty I believe of the exploring fluency in these flexible ways is when I learned that that a relationship of times four to, to to the doubles that's attainable for many of our students, I can do I can multiply anything by four. I'm not limited to the basic facts. One of my favorite stories is a, a friend of mine, a third grade teacher in Rhode Island. She did um, counting collections, and uh, Christina Tondevolt interviewed her on episode sixty of the Build Math Minds podcast. And Kathy described what happened this day, but we were going to have a math night at, at the, her district, but the pandemic hit, so we didn't get to do that. But the casino had dec- had wow. donated six boxes of decks of cards for the families, and so I've seen this post. I've seen this post. Well, I definitely will link it. Yes, yes, yes. They had been doing counting collections um, and coral counting all year and, and strategies and whatnot. And uh, she asked the kids to find out how many decks of cards were in there. And they worked on putting them in stacks of 10 and put the stacks of 10 in the shape of a 10 frame. So they knew this is a hundred decks and whatnot. But then one student said, when they, when they get to the 898, they said, I wonder how many cards that is. Now this is February with third graders. And they, as a class multiplied 898 by 52. And they said, well, we know 900, we could do 900 times 52. They did 900 times 50 and 900 times two. And then they knew that was two groups of 52 too many. So I just think, so they, so they subtracted it on an open number line, right? That's the beauty of the math journey when we open the door to this kind of exploration. Because it's not limited to basic facts. You can extend it to nine groups is one group less than 10, but that means 19 is one group less than 20 and 99 is one group less than 100. And suddenly the the calculations of larger number of with number larger numbers are accessible to so many more of our students because they're not doing the algorithm of basic facts and then forgetting to put a zero in the second product because they don't understand why why it's working. I, right? I just so. want to be like ah, to this entire time. Listen, we yes. are definitely going to have to have you back because Karina and I are not very familiar with how to use Cuisinaire rods. And we know oh my that they are your oh my favorite goodness. tool. <laughs> yes. Well, I talked, we mentioned tonight the counting phase of reasoning and going into additive reasoning and additive into multiplicative. Grade six to eight is the proportional reasoning phase. That one tool can help 
children move from one phase into the next. Wow. It's incredible because the, the, the rods exist as a group. So the students aren't seeing them as a collection of ones. So they're forced to seeing it as a chunk, as a group. And you also can use them for fractions and decimals. Wow. So they're a very versatile tool and super powerful. Well, we definitely have to have you back for that. Yeah, I need that. I need that. (laughs) I would love that. Uh, We are just going to close now with what we normally do. And that's our listeners a challenge. We want you to go to mathrunningrecords.com, download each of the Operation Math Running Records and try one out with one of your students. It's amazing how much you're going to find out just by listening to what your students say. And please make sure that you read the four-page introduction before the interview sheet. Dr. Nikki wrote that so everyone, because she knows not everyone's buying her book to read all the research and everything. So she did do a four-page document about the running records and her intention for them and and the, the philosophy and the research behind it all. So, Karina, did you read those four pages? No. <laughs> <laughs> I love the honesty. She'll go no. back and read However, it now. However, uh, yes, I will. I will. Well, because it was like nine. I, I was like, I, I have to do this. You know, eight o'clock. I got to get started. Um, but I, I did. I have seen you do one. You, you shared a mm-hmm. video of yourself doing one with a, with a girl from, I I think she was from Australia. Oh no, South Africa. She's from South Africa. South Africa. Mm -hmm. That's right. She was from South Africa. And I, that's what I saw. So that's what I had in my mind. So I'm like, I can do this. I've seen her, I've seen her model it. I know I can do it. Okay. Listeners, you need to read the four page information first. Unlike Karina. Don't do what I did. Don't do what I did. And let us know on Twitter how it all worked out. We do have a Facebook group that has over 16,000 members. So it's we, it, she and I uh, will give advice in there. We do Zoom meetings, that, no cost or anything. We just, we have a ball with the people in our community to help support each other on this journey of fluency and talking to kids about their thinking. So everyone's welcome to join in on that. It's called Math Running Records. And I do want to say, it has nothing to do with my name. It's Dr. Nikki Newton's creation and everything. But recently people asked me about my, they thought my last, they didn't know what my last name was. They thought it was Annalise Record from Math Running Records. No, that I, my, I sat next to my husband in Sociology 101 34 years ago. And I thought, what a strange last name of record. <laughs> and now it's been my name for 31 years, but yeah, no affiliation of the word record with a math running record. Okay, good to know. Annalise, thanks so much for coming on and being with us. Seriously, we so appreciate that you were here and you took some time with us. Thanks so much for having me. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And listeners, thank you for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag LearningThroughMath. We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at Laura and Karina. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. To you too. Thank you.